Hey pal, welcome back to Why We Bleep. Why So damn, this is the third episode. This is the third time that we've had a little sit down chat and just a general catch up, you know, see how you're doing and then talk to someone and find out what they know and see if we can apply that to our music making process. Um, And I trust you enjoyed the last episode. We talked to Justin from Abstract Date and before that, Tom Whitwell. And in this third episode, we're going to talk to a musician. And it may or may not be someone you've heard of. Um, it is an artist called Ebsidic, who was formerly known as VCO ADSR. Now, this person will be known uh, in kind of modular circles uh, because Phil Billsby, who is um, Ebsidic and was a VCO ADSR, has, has been very successful in terms of developing a live techno system using Eurorack. And I really, really was keen to talk to him. But first, um, let's talk about what's going on in my life. Uh, Just to give you a bit of an update, sounds incredibly... uh, What's the word? It sounds uh, big-headed. That's the word I'm looking for because I'm talking about myself. But I'm going to, uh, to pass a little bit of the time. I've been on holiday, which has actually been incredibly wonderful. I went to Iceland. And I don't know if you've uh, been following on the old Instagram, the Twit, and perhaps the Facebook, but I've been posting pictures and, my God, Iceland's really nice. I have to say, Iceland, I have possibly one of the nicest holidays that I've ever had in my life. It was just super chilled. It's a beautiful, unbelievable, striking country where you can... Just in enc- you just encounter the most insane scenery you can possibly imagine. Like so, for example, we're driving in this desolate, complete desert of a stone where there's just nothing. There's no mountains. There's nothing. There is just a void. The only way that I can describe it is like driving through a computer game before they've kind of loaded any lakes or fauna fauna and flora or anything it's like the null zone it's like literally the gray land it looks like that in parts and then suddenly you come across this you're driving instantly through this insane sort of weird elf world of bubbly strange kind of moss blubby moss shapes and i'm just like looking out the window going what is going on and it turns out that we were driving through the results of a lava eruption in 1783, which killed 10,000 people in Iceland, which was a huge portion of the population. There are still only 330,000 odd Icelanders in the world, including Björk and Sigurás, uh, the complete uh, lineup of Sigurás. Um, Iceland is a tiny nation, it, it, but it has one of the highest... Um, kind of welfare indexes, you know, and then the sort of way that 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 you can judge the welfare of a nation, how, um, you know, how well off everyone is, but how happy everyone is. 
Iceland scores basically number one. Uh, it has the lowest amount of people in prison per capita. It is one of the safest places in the world. Uh, that is from other Icelanders, but it's possibly one of the least safest places to just walk around because it can just generally kill you if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, if the, we went to Reynisfjara Beach, which is the beach that, that's at the start of Rogue One, and the signs there literally have a little cross, a black cross, and they say, recent tourist death. And they, they tell you about the waves, where it's like, ordinary wave, and then it goes, deadly sneaker wave, <laughs> which is what they have there. Because if you just stand too close to the waves, suddenly, in that way that, you know, waves come in, and Ooh, so that one broke a little bit further than I was going to. Oh, in Rainer's Fiara, they break really hard. And they give you no warning. So you can be stood by the shoreline and you're perfectly dry. And then the next second you're being swept out to sea and you're dead. Um, and, and this sort of happens. I think there's quite a lot of tourists that just get way too close. It's the most death metal of beaches as well that I have ever seen in my life. Reynos Fiara is just like super death metal. It's all black rocks. It was moody and foggy. It was cold and windy. But I have to say it was possibly one of the most beautiful beaches also because its beauty is more than just, you know, a Bondi beach. It's it's actually it's it's striking in its in its sort of dark grave majesty. And and Iceland is like that. It's a fantastic country. Go to Iceland. The bringing it all back on point though, that on the flight over the in-flight entertainment system had more electronic music than any other category, which says a lot about Iceland. And on there, it also had, as well as Jan Jelinek, um, it had Manuel Gottsching's E2 to E4. And if you haven't listened to that, you must do that. Stop this podcast. Go listen to E2 to E4. Um, and, you know, once you've sort of floated back down to earth, Come out. I mean, the fact that is on the in-flight entertainment system of any airline is just incredible. Um, what a country. It's brilliant. And it's horrifically expensive. It's £11 a pint, but I would go back. Anyway, Iceland. I've had a really nice holiday. Thanks. But I have also been doing some work too. I released a new video trying this new module called Platts. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, it's from a company called Mutable Instruments, which I've heard are very popular. And... Um, not there hasn't been much talk about this, so it probably does need me to go over it. Um, but <laughs> I've been trying it; it's really good, it's really great, and I love it. Uh, I really like it. In fact, I'm not just saying that. It's everything that's good about braids, but simplified and made more usable. That you can send voltages, and it will just change the mode instantly. There's a dedicated socket for mode, and that really expands what you can do with it. As in that you can just from that one voice push it around on a second-by-second second basis and make it sound like lots of voices, all doing different things for you. So in a live case, bringing it, through, bringing it back, on a live case, a Platts would be tremendously useful because you could use it for drums, you could use it for multiple things by pushing the mode around per step, which is what I've been doing. And I've released a video which shows me playing around with Platts and a little TR8 and some other bits and bobs all wired up, and it's me prototyping the next iteration of my live case and what i've been thinking about is is simplifying the process making it easier to make music with my modular um and uh, when i say easier i suppose i mean more foolproofed so that 
I just can't fail so, so hard. If you are so inclined, please subscribe on Patreon. And for my bonus content supporters, there is actually a video that explains this and a, a blog post basically going through that whole system. But it's quite an elegant way of doing it and it really does seem to work. It's a lot easier to work. And this is all a way of kind of moving on to this idea of talking about live systems. And the reason that I met with this guy, Phil, um, now... I came across this dude because um, I go to lots of modular meets and where you can hang out in a room and chat about modular synths with cool people. Um, and Phil has done a bunch of performances at these events and he's kind of a character that I've, I've seen but not really spoken to before. And previously, Phil was went under the moniker VCO ADSR but recently changed that to EBSIDIC, a bit like ACIDIC but EBSIDIC. Um, and perhaps there's some kind of thought behind that. Phil is, um, I believe, a geologist. I think he's a geologist. Phil, are you a geologist? He's a geophysicist. That's different. That's not a geologist. He's a geophysicist. Uh, so a very smart man. And he is, but we're not here to talk about his day job. It's kind of his hobby thing because Phil's been developing a life set. And, and what was really fascinating to me was this one-hour set that he posted at a place called Yuma. And I'd really like you to listen to that. If not now, but afterwards, you will, will enjoy it. It's, it's dark techno, basically, but it's really evocative. It's really well produced. It's, it's very tasteful and it, it's brilliant. It really is fantastic. And if you could play, I strongly believe he could play that set in pretty much any room and you get a really good reaction from people. It's brilliant music. And I was really impressed that he was doing this with quite a small system. And so I, I got in touch with him on, on Twitter because I was like, Phil, how are you doing this? How have you done this? Um, and we got talking. And, and, and interestingly, Phil used to do what I'm trying to do with my life case, which is a bit of a worrying portent, because Phil was doing an entirely improvised thing to start with. Um, and in short, he had an absolute disaster gig um, he played at Cymru Beats which actually I've also played at and I was lucky enough to to actually have an all right show at that event but he had a terrible one and that's not to big myself up because interestingly the words that he says and that I identify with is I got away with it in the past when it worked well and it's something that's really bare you know it's, it's heavy on my mind that whole concept of of why is this successful and am I at risk of, of kind of, of failing really easily? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, by improvising music, you can fail because obviously improvisation, you might have a bad day. You might not catch a good riff if you're just making it up as you go along. Hence my desperation to try and foolproof the design of the system um, and so what phil did was he kind of moved away from the whole improvised system um, and in this podcast we're going to talk about that process um, we talked about lots of things um, and to sort of summarize i mean phil kind of started he was kind of a late bloomer to electronic music he started off as a blues guitarist and then in about 2008 started to get into electronic music from some bands that he was listening to and and we talk about this what do else do we talk about the value of live music you know what do an audience want when they actually come to see you play um, and what 
constitutes good live music, what constitutes modular music. Um, does the tail wag the dog when it comes to designing modular systems for making music? You know, are the systems moving us or are we moving the systems? You know, what is it like to bomb a gig when you're improvising? He talks about this whole thing. And what was the result from that? How do you then work out of that process? Um, he talks about, um, we get more technical, and he talks about adding dynamics into his system. He talks a bit about his sequences that he uses, these orthogonal devices, ER101s and the 301 sound computer. You know, and he talks about the value and both the danger as well of randomness. Um, and it ends, you know, on an interesting thought, um, which I'll let you come to talking about DJs. Uh, and abilities and there's a companion video to this if you're watching on youtube it'll be easier for you to get this but if you're listening on your podcast app but i've done a, a whole like 40 minute over the shoulder thing with phil talking about his live system so if you're interested to hear more from him and to understand in more technical detail very technical stuff about how the system works there's a companion video where we talk about that so that's quite enough for me and i think it's time that you hear from phil so Let's do the podcast. So, Phil. Alex. Phil. Thanks for having me in your house in Brighton. No problem. With your shared living room. Which I yeah. was quite impressed that you have. Right. Like, it's a good positive step that you can live in a one-bedroom apartment and still have a hobby. If it is, It's not really a hobby. I suppose, are you a professional, would you say? Are you a pro? No, it's, no. It's not for the lack of trying. Yes. Um, but um, if professionals, uh, you make an, an earning out of it and you can sustain yourself, then that's clearly not the case. Do you have to get paid to be a professional? I think, what constitutes? Paid? Oh, I think that's, that's my understanding of a professional. Otherwise, you're a freelancer. Um, you're just free. You I just don't work know. For free. I, I, I do a lot of free at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> does tend to be the case. Like, I don't understand why people don't think it's worth paying for gigs. I suppose, like, and surely gigs, like, there's still the option of actually making money because you can sell tickets. But I suppose, I guess, in the field of like modular recording, it's just not that well. Is it that well known? Do people give a shit about modular synthesis and pay? Would they pay to see them? Do you know what I mean? Um, unless, I, unless they were like Suzanne Ciani or like Richard Devine. I think that the majority of people have no uh, idea this thing exists. Number one. Yep. Um, okay. Number two, I think when they see it, they are uh, uh, curious at least. Like, oh. When the first gig I ever did, somebody came up afterwards and said, where's the Mac? Where's your laptop? I said, there, there is no laptop. No, but you've just played that. How did you do it? I said, no, there's no no computer. Did it all with these, 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 this box. This wiry box. And, um, so that was quite interesting. So, and that was just you know normal guy, you know. He enjoyed it, which is mm. the main thing. But he he was a bit, a bit bewildered that there wasn't, you know, a, a laptop somewhere in the setup. Do you think he was like, it's not really live because there's no computer? Or what? No, no, I think it just... maybe it was the opposite. I think he thought, oh, um, oh, uh, you know, why, why, haven't I, why isn't there a laptop? But I've heard this 
this very dynamic performance, mm. which I think is um, an interesting thing. I've had a lot of people come out, come to me after I played, and they say, oh, it sounds really good. Um, it sounds produced, do you mean? Yeah, uh, no, pro- well, yeah, there's, pro- there's a produced aspect which has grown over the number of years I've been playing live now. But just the the dynamics, the the like the rawness of it, mm. that hasn't gone uh, through a limiter, for instance. So, uh, for instance, in my set, I don't have any sort of compression. Uh, I just leave that to the uh, front of house, you know, through their mm. PA system. That's interesting. Why not as well? Because you're not afraid that you would blow something out with bad, you know, just the old um, bad fader fader ride. No, I don't. Th- I think uh, from my side, I, I know what my equipment's doing. So there's a lot, and I just send a really hot signal when I first set up, mm. and I say that is as loud and as hot as you're going to get. And they go fine. And I think because there's, and so the PA has its own limiting. Uh, mm system so i don't need to do it twice and you know and i think that having the kick really pronounced or some things that so there's like light and shade mm. i think's important and so when you start um, compressing stuff you know the idea of compression is fine for produce production and you know radio play and all this and the loudness wars and trying to be on a level with everyone else so you don't sound quiet i can understand why all of that occurs but in the live setting you, there's no one else, it's just you. You don't have to compete. Yeah. But is it not that, I don't know, doesn't it glue things together in a certain way? Is that not an argument? Uh, yeah, sure. I just don't use it. <laughs> I know Surgeon doesn't use compressors live either. He's like, there's more punch. And I mean, I've read that before with like drum machines. The whole beauty of them is that they have like punch and attack. Yeah. And effectively with compression, all you can possibly do is reduce the impact exactly. of something. Yeah. You can't make it... I mean, there's a sound to very compressed drums, which is appealing, but really that slam. Is yeah, like... I mean, I'm using, uh, at the moment, I'm using sam- kick samples and they're in you know, WAV files normalized. So mm. they're as loud as they're going to get from that, that sample. Mm. So there's already an aspect of some compression. But yeah, I think, you know, going back to your question, do most people know this thing even exists? No. Do they really care? No. But what they do care about is that when they're exposed to it, they, they do uh, actually quite like the uh, sensation. They go, oh, okay, this is something something slightly different from listening to a DJ play. Mm. And I think it is to do with the dynamics. That's interesting. That's something that I am constantly thinking about as I'm like developing a live act is 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 what is the value of what I'm doing in the eyes of the audience? Because I know my own sort of thing, and part of the reason I wanted to talk to you and like pick your brain, get your side of it. It's just like, if you're playing live, 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 you are give, you're putting yourself up for risk. It mm-hmm. depends on what you're doing. It depends on how pre-prepared it is to a certain extent. But that live music should be truly live and that there shouldn't be a laptop and you shouldn't be pressing play and there should always be the scope for improvisation and for a unique experience to be presented to an audience. Mm -hmm. But my question is, is this this the only person in the room that gives a shit about that? Me. And actually, does an audience not give a shit? My Mm. example, just quickly, is like, I saw a very, very classic example of like, just press play live electronic music recently and I just stood there. I'm like, mate, like, you are doing nothing. Yeah, I, I, like... I had a similar experience in the summer. I'm not going to mention the name, but quite quite successful now. Now, And there was some modular included as well. And 
it was for the random LFO sweeps into some delay. But basically, I was just watching him on his push go from scene to scene to scene, and, mm. I, was, and I walked out. Yeah. I was like, okay. I, I actually just listened to your album, but I had to buy, you know, crap beer to go with it. Mm, a so, T-Borg. Yeah, yeah, or <laughs> a red stripe. Not even a good beer. So I, um, I was very disappointed with that. And so I think... Because the question, cynicism the question there, is, really. but we know, but then the audiences know, and do they care? Does it matter? Like, if they yeah. see... Because they're seeing this when that person plays, and they see it when you play, they're like, well, well you know, you, he's got that, that and the, I think you're right. I don't think it does matter. But it does matter to the performer. Maybe that comes through the performance. I, would, I mean, my solution to this was, I was trying to think of like, how would you communicate, depending on what you were trying to do in your live set. Like if I'm thinking for my own part, if I'm trying to do something completely improvised, I'd love to be able, I'd love, I'm just conscious that I would like to be able to speak to the audience <laughs> beforehand and go, this is what I'm going to do. I am yeah. going to improvise this. So it might go wrong, but that's go with me. This is the whole fun of it. And, but you can't really do that. You cannot do that. No, because you, yeah, you're, 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 yeah, you're like, putting your, basically um, caveat. Yeah, to caveat. The could be shit. Yeah. And that's that's the problem is it has to be really good. Yeah. Irrelevant of, of how, how difficult you, you've made it for yourself. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, then, you know, that's that's... I've always said that, or more... Uh, over the last couple of years to answer your question it doesn't really matter for the audience whether you're using this stuff it just matters to me mm. and do I feel comfortable using this over say Ableton and, yeah. and I just like that there, there's a challenge I mean I have made some things easier for myself now mm. um, but I I think that um, that needs to be a balance so they're balancing in how much stuff you've got to do. If there's only one person and you're trying to, you know, sort of use uh, the term you used when we were setting up, which is like orchestrating all these different moving parts, mm. then, you know, I've got essentially eight moving parts to manage all of those and into a creative and interesting way. That's plenty of things to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I've often said to, to some friends of mine, I really could do with a second pair of hands to maximise... Uh, you, we know the music that's going on, but that's just me at the moment, so that's fine. So Do you mean I've, as in you'd have, well, you split roles? So yeah, like maybe somebody's just mixing constantly, right? And the other person's, uh, you know, um, managing and and looking after the the tomba and mm. whatever. And then you know, and then at some point you'd need to have signals to say, right now we're going to move to this, or we're going to do a breakdown, except you know mm. that sort of thing. So um, having a system that's complicated already and lots of things to do um, making it a bit easier in some aspects I don't have a problem with anymore <laughs> yeah well it's just like it's what you were saying obviously we were having this conversation on like Twitter direct messages about playing live because you yeah you played this set in, in Brighton it was a good example of like I assume it's the current yeah well, at least what we have here that's right yeah but um what was I going to say so it's basically this idea of you've experimented with kind of giving yourself more to do in the past. And, and, and I have too. And it's yeah. my, my issue with it is the granularity in the sense of like um, when you, if basically using sequences where you have to enter every note one by one yeah. and, and the same with pattern sequences, that mm -hmm. you have to actually physically enter every pattern, I think is, is, is wonderful when it works. Yeah. But the risk is this thing of, of, of 
like basically falling flat on your face in front of an audience yeah, who I mean, did, didn't care in the first place. Um, so, I mean, I, the maybe you sort of... So when I started playing live with my modular in so what, 2007, I've been doing this two and a half years or something. Live? You've yeah, li- live. Yeah, I've been using modular yeah. for some time So I that. got my first old dope for system in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was great. And that at the time I was using Ableton, I was using loads of the synths. Had then, you been, just to quickly get your background as well, had you actually been into electronic music for a lot longer? Or was um, I was a guitar player, like right. a blues guitar player, uh, hence the guitar over in the corner. I actually yeah. only just really realised there is a guitar there. Yeah. I don't see those things in, when I come through. <laughs> so well. I started, I used to play electric guitar and played blues basically. And after a... Um, after a time, I got sick of picking up the guitar and playing the same blues solo. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? And, so and then the same... module that could just take a blues scale. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I, 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 I'm trying to get in bands and like, it was just oh, it was a pain. Exclusively band thing was this. It's yeah. Like you, were, you were not an electronic musician. No, no, stage. not at all. When was this? So this would have been... In the early noughties, like 2000 mm-hmm. to 2005, I lived abroad for a couple of years and then I came back in 2008. And whilst I was away, I was um, listening to a lot more electronic music. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know what, I could probably do this. It can't be that difficult. I'm glad you thought that yeah, way. Not knowing it? anything about it. No, that's and so I bought myself a um, Korg Electribe. Yeah. You know, the red ones with the valves. The, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, ESX more later one. ones. Yes. And, um, Love that they put valves in those things. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and that LED backlighting as well. Yeah, I, I, I'd sold it. I wish I'd never sold it. There, I mean, I, I would like to say that I think Korg are great. Yeah. The Electrimes. Like, I used to have the ER1, which was... I didn't even realise how good it was, I think, at the time. It was but, like the precursor to the... Yeah, so that yeah. was like the old red one that's like a drum synth, but it's a brilliant device. Yeah. Just like... It kind of wants some pedals. It really needs right. the analog heat. It just didn't exist when it right. came out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I start. I got. I got back to the UK and I thought, oh god, and I didn't know anything about electronic production. So what, Not, had, you, what had you been listening to? What was the? Um, I guess a couple of things. Pre- predominantly, one band is Simeon Mobile Disco. Hmm. I've been listening to their their first album. And I was like, what is this? Hmm. And then and you also had. Um, Obviously, LCD sound system, but it wasn't so much their first album. It was it, there was a DFA compilation. It was number one, and it had like two or three different remixes of, I think it's Yeah Yeah Yeah, and I think it's called the the Crass uh, remix or right. version. And it, it goes on. If I, th- I mean, is it like an unbroken? Like, yeah, it's like ten mix, minutes long, yeah. and it just goes into this massive acid squelch sort of MS twenty. It's just mental. Hmm. I was like, wow, what's that? You can't do that on a guitar. Mm. Just got sick of the the sort of the limited sonic palette of a, look, yeah of of you know a guitar, a drum, and a bass, and and some. Well, I suppose uh, also there is the trappings of like being in bands and like trying to be successful and like rehearsals and yeah versus something you can do by yourself. Like yeah, so many great things. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I started in two thousand and eight, not knowing a single thing. 
And now I don't know if I know much more. <laughs> I just just spent a lot of money along the way. No, no. How did you? Where? So, what was your first setup? Where, how? What was your? What, was, how did you figure you were going to crack this electronic music? So, at the Electribe, and yeah. then I realised so you just bought that in isolation. You were just, completely. Yeah, yeah. Had you gone into a shop or something? Like, talk to I, I'm trying to think what I did now. No, I think I, I searched like online, or I, I, I probably did. I actually bought it from Gag. Mm. But, um, I must have read Future Music. Like what? What's this audio into? What? It's just this. All this terminology is like what the hell? Mm. Anyway, I bought this thing, and after a time, I was like, oh, I can, uh, I can actually sequence another synth. And I bought this really crap uh, boss. Oh, what was it called? Oh, uh, it's like grey box. It's like a joke, really. A drum machine? No, it wasn't a drum machine. It was like a sort of general MIDI. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, if it'll come to me later, I'll mention it. So anyway, I had that, and so I thought, oh, I can sequence that with MIDI. So then I learned about MIDI hmm. and CC and all this. So I learned all that, and then and then I thought, well, I can have another one. And I just kept, I built it up, built it up. And then a friend of mine said, oh, have you seen Ableton? Hmm. And um, I was like, no, I don't know anything about that. He said, well, it's a bit like your Electribe, but it's in, this, in, in the box. I said, like, okay. So I got a Mac, and I got that, and I was like, this is great. Got to the point where then I was doing a lot inside Ableton. But I got to the point after I'd finished that, making that first album all in Ableton. And uh, it's like, this is. Well, like, you made an album there. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's, that's more than many people have done in Ableton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I said, this is like being at work. I didn't really like it. And I just wanted to do something that was completely away from the computer. And that, do you think that was part of being a band person from the get-go is like music computers were never part of your musical um, life well no because i never really uh because i never had a electronic music production background anyway mm. it was just it, it, using a computer was neither good nor bad it mm. was, it was it, just a tool it, it was just a tool but you just but, didn't take to it yeah i just i mean i still use ableton to produce mm. but i don't write in it i just record yeah i just record everything and then put it in there and edit yeah, that's what I do now. It's a tape machine. Yeah, exactly. So I, I got Ableton, and at the same time, so I, I, whilst I was making my first album, I, I got this modular system. Mm. And so I started to use that and sample it and then put those into the tracks. And that was modular, why? 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 A um, friend of mine, uh, he had one in his studio, and he said, do you know what this is? And I went, uh, is it a modular synth? And uh, he went, yeah. And then he proceeded to put me on the spot and try and get me to patch it. I got, I got a sound out of it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but it, I don't think it was very good. Not a good sound. So, um, what's that? That's like weird friend who's just basically like there to torture you. Obviously, <laughs> you don't know how to use the monster since you've not had a go. <laughs> no, thanks, mate. Um, but so, yeah, I, got, I, 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 that was it. Was a period of six months before I went. Mm. It was niggling in the my back of my mind i quite like this thing hmm. i get to um well now the analogies are, and it's been used before but it's like lego i love lego hmm. so you get to lego? um you know you get to make your toy and then you get to play with it so that i think that there was definitely that aspect where you go oh, okay really there's something about it where i've not been forced to use a particular uh, signal flow oh i can you just Decide what you want to do there and then. It's quite nice. But you were just using it for like sound design. Yeah, you weren't, we weren't building sort of music systems. No, at no. That point. So I would say a, a, a turning point was there's a guy. Oh, I always pronounce his name incorrectly, but he goes under the name Doctor Bernd Hoffman. 
Bernd Hoffner, yeah. Yeah. I've sold uh, something to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rob. And he was making these fantastic pieces of music all on the modular. Uh, and I had enough, by this point, I had a lot of gear, a lot mm. of modular. I had to, uh, I would have had 18U. Right. Yeah, so I had two 9U Dofa cases next to each other. I thought, I've got enough here to be doing this. So I, I decided to try and do it. And um, and I managed. Because he, is this because he was doing something exclusively on the modular? Yeah. It was all modular based. Yeah, and it sounded great. And it still sounds great. Mm. So anyone who hasn't, um, you know, got got any of his material and listen to it i think it's really fantastic stuff he does mm. um so i thought oh i could try this and which is then i did two albums of these modular sessions where it was there they were completely one take uh, tracks where every day or well, not every day but on the day i decided i was going to do a track i'd rip everything out i'd start patching and then I would uh, go, okay, I think I've got something here. Mm. And then I just, pre- and it was, the, the first one was just, I uh, recorded the stereo. Mm. Just press record and went for it. And so the, the a lot of the tracks are like eight to 10 minutes long, quite, quite long winded. Did you edit them? Um, yeah, the start and the end. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, but not in between. Not right. in, no. Yeah. So... I did that, and it was only after doing those I thought, you know what, it would make sense now if I could try and do this live. And at that, you, was this also quite techno-y stuff, or was it? Well, um, it wasn't pop music. Clearly. No, no, it was both. definitely more techno. Um, yeah, I would say it was definitely pushing that way. Is that because your interest had changed, or because the equipment was? limiting you? Um, I think my interests had changed. Yeah, because um, you can't. I mean. I've yet to see pop music produced on a modular. And I don't know, I'm not even meaning to make a joke. It's like, no. it's just that idea that the equipment influences the music. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like I saw there was a, a someone was having a kind of YouTube Barney about the fact, well, it wasn't a Barney, someone had posted this absolutely brilliant, like beautiful, like ambient piece, piece, uh, ambient can have pieces, um, online. And, and basically someone left this slightly, slightly like twattish comment that was basically like, Oh, it's this this wave of this type of music that people make when they've got a modular and a camera. That's that's this is the kind of music they make now. Like, right? mate, fucking bellend. This is called ambient music. It's been around for more than more than YouTube and cameras and modular since. Yeah, but it, you know, I, whilst that person was being a bit of a twat, I don't know what I, I was. Still got me thinking a little bit because I was like. Eh. I don't know, like, does the modular lend itself to certain styles of music? Uh, certainly there are certain things that it will, you'd struggle to do. I mean, there is a... So, yeah, to a degree. I think it's fair to say that a lot of music that's made on modular has a certain characteristic that, um, that let's say, the general public might not be that interested in. Do you mean bug, bug style? I mean, they call it. Could, could be, could be mean, talking about that sort of thing. Do you mean there's people who have not bought Qantas as yet? It's just like, <laughs> it's just like mate. So I think that there's a, there is, um, people do associate these boxes with a certain style of music. Uh, also, of course, you know, a lot of people do make techno on them and, and have done for, for a number of years now, mm. you know. Um, I guess it's that thing of, is the, is the tail wagging the dog? Do you know what I mean? As in, are people buying these things then being led by them rather than the other? Oh, world? okay, yeah. No, that's that's a good question. I would say um, 
originally when I bought my modular, it was just because it was a, a curiosity. Mm. Um, you tried it at your mate's, so obviously it sounded wicked. So, Well, it was just the, the concept, actually, I liked more than anything. Oh, I get to choose this. Mm. So that, I mean, obviously, at the time in 2009, 2010, you know, the, this modular scene, if there, if there is such a thing, was microscopic. Mm. And it was dope fur, and there would be make noise, and uh, yeah, that was live like, wire, yeah, and, and stuff Plan like B, that. I guess, at yeah, that point, yeah. So, um, and obviously, you had analog uh, solutions as well, so there wasn't that much choice, that's true. Well, yeah, although yeah. there was still a fair amount, it was, but it was you were before that period where it was like exploded, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I managed to keep up with it for a time. I mean, now I've, I have no idea what new modules there. I have to, I do have to like not read Muffwiggler because it's, I find it, well, I've said it before, but like looking into modular and reading about it is a different hobby to using it, yeah. It's like, and and you can't really do both hobbies, you can't do both hobbies at the same time. No, I mean, uh, big respect to uh, to Ben Divkid, uh, for keeping he, up. <laughs> Amazing, yeah, I know what you mean. absolutely amazing. So, um, no, so yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's a good question. Does one thing um, lead to another? I, I think, I think you could make all sorts of different types of music on the modular um, because ultimately they're not fixed. You know, mm. you have LFOs. You can do whatever you really like that you can probably do in max to a you know to a reasonable. Uh, degree. Um, so if you wanted to make dubstep, I reckon you could probably manage it. Mm. It, might, it might be a challenge, you know, to get that precision, but I, it could I'm, be done. I'm sure it could be done. Of course. Um, I guess it's that thing of like our own preconceptions are the biggest limiting factor. Like the way that when you see people who spec up their systems for the first time, they basically put together a subtractive West Coast voice, yeah. like East Coast voice. Um, and you just think, ah. Like, mm. yeah, you, I mean, when I, you get into this, you'll I, I, you'll you'll just want to try different things. Yeah, I've never, uh, to be perfectly honest, this East Coast West Coast thing bores the living daylights out of me. It's of like, who cares? I mean, the the, the assumption <laughs> uh, that that was the only place in the world that was doing interesting electronic things is a bit irritating. Mm. I mean more in terms of like the, but, the, know, the it, way that it, people approach it, yeah, designing sure. their systems mm. is they start basically recreating the thing that they already have, but just with wires. Yeah, yeah, oh, I see what you mean. Just, yeah, yeah just no, so. no, no, I don't understand that. Sorry, I, was, I went off on tangent. <laughs> um, sorry, off steps, off don't, soapbox. Don't mention East and West Coast. Well, you know. It's a sore point. It's just it's boring. <laughs> it's, well, and it doesn't really apply, I don't it's, think. It's, uh, in, in, like if you actually just use these things and cares. get into it. It's not something that I, I think about particularly. Yeah, I mean, I, I often... But but all I would say is that those those terms I mean, serve to compartmentalise the yeah, way that you think about what you can do true. with a system, and then you think, oh, an LFO is really only for this. It's better to think, in, do you know what I mean? As yeah, a, I see. To think an LFO is to make things wobble. An LFO could be for creating arpeggios. Oh, yeah, so anyway, uh, so there came a point where listening to these uh, tracks by Dr. Burden Hoffman... Mm. And so I gave it a bash myself, came up with something, and I thought, well, next step is to do this live. Mm. And funnily enough, at the same time, um, coming back to Simi Mobile Disco, they just did their uh, Whirl album, and it was all been powered by, I think, two Circlons, mm. Circlon sequences. Yeah, they had like a big live system. Yeah. That, yeah. And 
at that point I was thinking, ah, okay, this this will allow me to come up with the musical ideas, um, have a single sequencer that can do everything, and then I'm just as say going through and 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 I'm jamming and playing around those ideas. So I got a circle on. So like in a techno, so you'd be able to. Uh, let it run, and it would, on its own, be opening and clear, like a L- slow LFO, for instance. Mm. And you could have all these different sorts of uh, rules, what it did when it got so to the just, top. Yeah, sort of conditional. Yeah. Like, almost like conditional triggers in, in like, the electron stuff is the only equivalent mm. I can think of. So it, it's it's really it's deep. That's easy. So, and then... Um, but why change? Ah, uh, so then I went to um, Block... Uh, couple of years ago and saw um trade which is surgeon and blow one right and um saw what they were doing and i was thinking well yeah i could do this what were they doing well it was just like it, it, i mean obviously it's difficult to say it wasn't, it wasn't videoed but mm. it was live modular techno um and it seemed quite uh, organic mm. and it was it was good i enjoyed it no circle on i'm guessing no circle on the surgeon's not using his octatrack because he's playing with Blowland, so... Yeah. Right. So I just decided, all right, let's go from concepts and ideas to let's try this improvised thing. Because, you know, I often improvise when I'm at home mm. in the studio, and it's like, okay, I can get some really cool stuff going on. So then I built a system, which um, you've already sort of made a comment in one of your other videos, but so this system, we had a circ- uh, circadian rhythms for the drums... I had a bunch of different voices. Uh, had a Turing machine going into a quantizer to come up with these uh, improvised melodies. melodies. Yeah, and did three gigs with that. The first one went pretty well. I mean, the actual gig itself was hilarious. I got there. Um, this is nothing to do with modular, by the way, but I'm going to tell you. That's fine. Um, that's um, what, that's good. I got there, and um, it was in a jazz club. Yeah, I know. Anyway, and there was in on the stage was this small baby grand piano, and I um, and the socket was under uh, the back wall, so I had to climb, uh, crawl underneath this grand piano. Fine, so people aren't <laughs> used to powering their instruments on yeah. stage on this place. So I I crawled under and I whacked my head. I was like, oh, oh, that really hurt. And then uh, I crawled back out and I had to go back under again. And then I whacked it again oh on the same God. buzz. Like, what an idiot. Anyway. <laughs> my mind's eye, it like, did the cartoon, like, bang, <laughs> chord sound. So anyway, I got, got back. It's all on. Got everything set up. And um, I was like, what, what's that on my head? And then my head was bleeding. So I cut my head oh my, open. Only like, so techno. <laughs> only very minor, but it was enough that it was bleeding. Yeah, you bleed. Like, when you cut your head, you bleed like a bastard. So... I thought, oh, this is great. So I said, all right, should we have a sound check? You're like, Andrew W. Okay. So the yeah, the, the, sound, the, uh, the sound guy, he said, yeah, okay, let's go for it. I said, he said, I can't hear anything. I said, I'm sending you a really hot signal. So, you know, I'm definitely sending you something. Then he went up to the first PA uh, monitor speaker on the on my left-hand side, and he looked, he went, oh, there's a problem. And basically, the magnet and the cone was completely uh, ripped. It, wow. it, it was. It was. They were. They were. They, they were completely too. divorced. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, he went. This was not like this. It was his system. He was. It was fine on Saturday, and this was uh, like a Wednesday or Thursday. Was like, okay. Oh. Then we had a look at the other. The other one, and that sounded just weird. Uh, I can't. It just it did not sound like it yeah. should. 
Long story short, so I know I'm in a bit of a mood. Like, well, I've come here to play and there's no system. And so I like so, that you said that covered in blood as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then there was this, this, this there was a this bass amp. I said, "Can we?" And all the shops had closed for like the PA. There was a PA shop just down the way, and it had closed. So there was no way we were going to get in there. Mm. I said, "What well, this bass amp?" And so we, we anyway we got through this gig with one crap um, PA weird thing, and then this bass amp. Bass amp probably sounded quite good. In and um, got away with it. Wow! But it was quite funny. So I did, anyway, I, I digress. That's got nothing to do with what I was using in Modular. I just thought it makes me feel a lot yeah. better about certain gigs I've, yeah, I've played. Yeah, so I think that's, that that's, goes down as um, the worst gig. Did you wipe your face or did you keep it? Did you stay bloody? No, I didn't I didn't go for some sort of weird goth, uh, you know, um, yeah, just like self-mutilation type act. Just like, you've got to play like really harsh noise. <laughs> but, so then, and then I did this, this uh, improvised set and it was great. And the crowd were loving it. They were like really um, enjoying it, and that really helped me as well. Encouraged you. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, I have it's 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 not um, a secret. I've done a lot of gigs at these modular meets, and I'm happy with that. Um, I think it's important for people, certain new maybe uh, new users or even users that have had systems for a long time to to show that you can actually make coherent music with these things they're not just uh, expensive uh, luxury items mm. so I, I don't mind playing these things and I've, I've made a huge number of very good friends from it actually so that's a nice thing. But the modular thing, modular meet sort of gigs are different to like a, a paying gig though. I think is an important yeah. distinction because it's it, everyone either, they even know who you are or they're on your side and they're interested in the equipment full stop. They understand what you're doing. Exactly. And it's like, you get a free pass in a sense. You get a lot more love than you deserve in, in the best possible way because yeah. it's, when you go and play in a, in a completely alien situation, you really just have to play good stuff. Yeah, it's true. That's the thing. You but can't, when you, you can't but get... in those situations, then you don't get the same feedback. Mm. So that's difficult. That's true. Um, so it's... Oh, yeah, as in people just don't dance. They don't they're, they're not really doing anything. I'm not criticising them. No, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's a, it's a factual it, statement. It just is a factual statement. And, and it's, especially for like a, a live, like, dance thing, like... Your movement is a reflection of how much I... That's all I can see. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so so the crowd were really getting into it. So that was quite um, that was quite good, actually. I, that, that, that allowed me to say, all right, doing this improvisation is there's something in it. And, and I, I, you know, as we said before, sort of got away with it, yeah. which is fine. Then I went and did a gig at Cymru Beats, which is the one I referred you to. Mm. And... It was dreadful. I, mean, I was I was watching that. I was like, oh, mate. But not from like any sense of like, because I, I, I can't do better is the point. It's just understanding because I know what that will feel like. And I know, and it's that's the problem with that, the design of the system. Is there's very little you can do when you're, you, know, you can only do what you've given yourself to do. And it, it's, uh. it's almost like, the only analogy I can think of is it's like going out surfing and it is a necessity that you catch a wave. You can't surf unless you catch a wave. Yeah. And when you've caught a wave, you then get to like actually display your skill and surf and enjoy yourself. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It's like, I mean, if you go out to the sea and it's just calm, yeah. or if something happens and you break your board or just... Yeah, well, I mean, I think like, in that case, using your analogy um, for that particular gig, 
it was more a case of that uh, I, and maybe I wasn't a strong enough swimmer to get to the wave, and so it passed me by. Mm. And then, oh, I nipped another wave. And so while I was constantly throughout the gig, tripping, about, I was tripping over. Like I was, I was going, moment. okay, this is, this is, as to use your term, bombing. This is, this is, I'm dying here. Yeah, move, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get somewhere. And it, by the end, I hadn't. Um, it was funny because the audience, they quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, they came and said, oh, I can't believe you've done that. And, blah, blah, and I was going, oh, this is rubbish. Right. But so I did that and that that was worrying because I, in only a couple of weeks later, I was going to do the Brighton Modular Meet. I was going to play there and I was dreading it. Yeah. Really, I was going, okay. Because you'd like your confidence. And yeah. what was it when you walked out of the, like, the Cymru Beats gig? What was your like... When you're driving home or on the train, it's like, what are you thinking about the system? And like, what is the solution to that? Is it more practice or is it is it redesign? Um, uh, after, well, basically it was a redesign. It was to go back to a, a more tried and tested method, which was the circle on, yeah. except I don't use the circle anymore because of the sequences I'm using. Mm. But ultimately it was this, it, I wasn't um, happy with, continuing to do completely improvised sets mm. just not and you know i've said i said to you in our twitter conversation that um you know getting to those interesting parts you know can go through a lot of uh, filler yeah um and it's like a, like a non-modular crowd will not tolerate <laughs> no and they'll just <laughs> they'll just, just walk off they'll walk off they'll go to the bar they'll start talking you know yeah. well i mean all that Everyone talks through gigs nowadays anyway. But um, sorry, it steps off the box too. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Um, no, so anyway, yeah, so I did the, the Brighton one. I was absolutely, I really was not, I was so worried about it. And um, it went pretty well. Mm. Um, uh, so Duff, who runs the Brighton Modular Meet, he's like, no drums. I was like, no. What? He's just like an ongoing joke between the two of us. Oh, I goes, see. No he drums. wasn't like, no drums. You're like, well, I'll take some of it. I'll just do some strange little ambient thing. And, and um, so I was like, what am I going to start with? What am I going to do? And I just decided to absolutely, like, hammer. I had, like, the Basimilus uh, Tiritas, and I was just caning it. And I was just full throttle from the get-go. It's like, right. I'm just Because I, I, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll sort of Easy. build it. Yeah, and and no. this time I went, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so that was quite good. I find it's hard to do sick drops with a modular. Do you know what I mean? Like where, where you need like four or five things to happen at once exactly. to feel like it's really just come in. That's actually a very hard it thing is, to orchestrate. It is very difficult. And it's better to just start hard and continue a thread or, or just to organically gra like gradually move. Exactly. Through, yeah. Because that's actually physically what's more possible to do. No, I, I agree. I've, um, talking to a friend about this uh, probably about a year ago this idea like in a dj set you know a really good dj can absolutely um, cut to another um, track yeah and the you know the uh, response you can get from crowds brilliant doing that on a module is extremely difficult mm. um i would say nigh on impossible yeah unless you've just got another system and you just you literally have like you're effectively dj yeah you're yeah yeah um melodies so anyway i did the, the the i did my third improvisation it was all right i was quite happy with it and then i and then what, i'm trying to think why I, I just thought oh well i'm gonna have to why did you tear it up yeah i'm trying to think that's a good question now uh, anyway i did it's almost like getting out of my system mm. so oh you know i've 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 done it 
did I enjoy it? Not especially. Mm. Did I think the crowd enjoyed it? No, I don't think they did really. I think they would prefer something more um, fleshed out. Yeah. Which then leads me into my sort of current system. The the backbone of my current live system now is um, it's all been clocked by Pamela's new workout. Mm. Um, and bless Pamela. Yeah. And that's clocking two orthogonal devices, ER101, and then the expanders, the 102s. I've got two of those. I mean, most people will go, like, what? I mean, the, most people look at them and go, in what? horror, yeah, why have you it, used it this, nice. these numbers? I mean, I'm intrigued by it, but the problem is that make, it, whenever I look at it, I think about the MC202. Um, oh, I'm, I'm really? A, I okay. get sort of like a, a cold sweat. But then I've, I've seen enough people like yourself who use them. So my question to you, therefore, is... is Sell me, sell me. Come okay. on then, go on then. So I would sell me say, uh, like the, 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 with the 102 expander, um, and I think that's critical, th- this is all, this is as close as a sequencer you're going to get to like a Circlon, right. but in your rack. You can do, you can't do the same sort of things as Circlons, but it's got, this, it's got similar high-level concepts about how you can manipulate sequences inside it. It's a four-track sequencer. Yeah. But critically, and I think it's super important, is you get two CV outs and a gate, not one CV out and a gate. Now, you look at every other sequencer out there I, in Europe, I'm pretty sure, uh, but I'm happy to be um, you know, um, corrected, is that you only get one CV and one gate. And so then it just goes into this um, you know, pitch and yeah. envelope, yeah. for argument's sakes. But with the CV, you've got two CV outs now. Per channel. Per channel. Yes. And so in uh, one of my voices, I use the second CV to modulate the amplitude of the envelope, which is opening the, and closing the filter. Okay. So now you can get this, uh, you can get a, an interesting dynamics. So rather than just have this constant frequency, uh, constant um, filter being opened always at the same level, mm. and it goes, and it, let's always say, like it's like, dude, dude, it's, you, get, you can get so much more interest out of just, say, even three notes by changing the level of how mm. much you open a filter. Yeah, subtle animation. Yeah, it's like exactly. It's a long way. And so... So that's number one. So you've got four, four tracks with two CV and one gate. Another aspect to it, to understand why it's interesting is that there is no um, concept of uh, a sequence length. Right. You can make uh, a sequence as long and as short as you want. Each, of, each, each uh, step in the sequence can be as long and as short as uh, you'd like within the, you know, the limits of, of the hardware. Right. So you can create um, all sorts of interesting sequences that that you just could not do on a conventional um, step sequencer in your rack. So what odd lengths? Odd lengths, right? Completely okay. odd. Um, so but that that might still, not, musically still... that might not that's not necessarily interesting. Mm. But what I do for my drums uh, is I have set up a like a blank grid. Uh, so I have 16 steps normally and they're of a certain length but I can actually if I wanted to create swing I can actually add that swing in by moving um, or changing the duration of a step so I can say well I've got the the onset of this first say kick and then the next step if it's 16 I say actually I'm going to make it 15 or 14 so you can do all sorts of things like that so that's that's neat but you have a, a mathematics function in the sequencer where you can for any for the CVA, the CVB, the the duration of the step and the gate length, 
you can perform mathematical out, uh, functions on all of those. And that's where it's interesting. So let's say you, say you have a, a 16. I'm trying to sell it to you. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still on board. Yeah, sorry. So you've got 16 um, steps, and let's say there's 16 in duration. Uh, I'm not going to say why. It's just because that's how I set it up. And, but they don't have any notes. They don't have any gates assigned. So what, what, the one thing you could do is just say, okay, for, for all the gates, I want to create a, a random on-off. Right. So you can just press math. Uh, you set it up, you just press math. Um, so yeah, I, that's why I like these it seems, sequences. It seems super capable, and like obviously the maths aspect just adds this layer. I'm always interested in generative, and and like I want the sequencer to give me some of its ideas. So you almost feel like you're collaborating. Yeah, yeah. Not that you're you have to because th this is the big thing with live is that you need your equipment to help you out. When you, especially when you've only one pair of hands, as you were saying before, it's like really kind of could do with another person, but yeah. without it, you need the machine to help. You need the machine to, to offer its own ideas. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get that from the random functions within, uh, within the maths operations. I mean, I, I, I'm at the moment, um, I am tending to add some variation um, through these transforms so that it's not a destructive uh, mm. change, but it's just um, it's, it's under my control when I think it's appropriate to add, say, a random note and, yeah. and, and what the values are and stuff like that. The nice thing is you can return to the original idea. Yeah. You haven't naffed your original exactly. idea. Because that's yeah. always the thing is then you've, you've sort of gone down one garden path. You're like, oh, God, I need to go back to there very exactly. quickly. That's, yeah. that's yeah. that thing I was saying before about like drops are really hard to do, build-ups. Yeah. Because it's really hard to drop everything in in a, in a consistent and reliable way. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, the, uh, my, my current live um, set, it has a, a deliberate um, route. Mm. Um, once I'm, and essentially I have just many, many snapshots. So you can save all of the, all the information, all the, the sequences for all four tracks in these things called snapshots. Mm. And so I, when I play a gig, I'll just go from one snapshot to the next. A1 to L5 or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. And I just go through them. And um, I know that the, the idea in, in the first one will allow me to go to the second one and so forth, but there's still a lot of scope in there to, to play around with things. So of course, you know, even if it's just like the timbre of things or. Of course. Yeah. But you couldn't like these things do not have like the sequences have recall, but the sound generators do not have recall. Exactly. So yeah. You, you can only like improvise that aspect of it. That's true. So, um, and I, I did that. I actually listened to, um, I can't remember the name of, uh, the album, but I'd recommend anyone who's interested in making techno uh, to listen to Daniel Avery's DJ Kicks mix he did last year. Right. I think it is a DJ Kicks. It's, um, it's. I thought it was the best album last year right. um, of the albums that I listened to and bought. Uh, it's just brilliant. It is. It's, Why? Well, it just what? is this journey uh, for an hour and fifteen minutes, and it it. It completely takes you to a different place mm. and you, you just forget about everything else and you just listen to this music and it's really driving and he's got these textures. It's just fantastic. So in a sense, I wanted to try and do something like that. A journey. Yeah. Where it's like that you really, you are transported. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's so, and then I thought of how I could put up, you know, pieces all together. Uh, 
which is a massive change from doing everything improvised. I recognise that, that to have um, like almost like a piece of theatre in the sense that you, you almost have a story to tell. Yeah. There, you do have to just pre-prepare that. That story yeah. has to be organised. You yeah. have to know where you're going for there to be a, a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. So, yeah, I was. I think this methodology of, of it, because I'm writing it, that I, I'm always going to evolve and transition to another thing. Each snapshot will always have something from the previous one mm. and have something new for the, the current one, and then that keeps moving. Yeah, and so it, 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 that way it, it 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 lends itself to this uh, this, this gradual change. Yeah, the, the next step references the last one. It's like handing a baton over immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You say, okay, we've got this one now. Let's add a new aspect. Okay, great. And then you drop that one and you keep going. As you say, a baton's quite a, quite a good analogy. You've got to have a reprise and then a, and then, <laughs> then a montage, or is it really a, what's the word? A, a medley. <laughs> a medley. Um, Where do you see it going, though? I mean, that's the, you know, this is great. And it's, but will you, do you just wipe all of the, the melodies that are in the ER 101 and just... Well, this is a... This might be of interest to you. What is this? So this is my... Uh, for the camera. It's your business card. Uh, <laughs> I've often been rewriting stuff from scratch for each gig I do. Yeah. And I forget what I've done. I've got, yes. you know, in this case, in this... How many have I got there? I've probably got 16 snapshots. There's no way I'm going to remember all of them. I mean, I'm not going to remember... H2 from H3. So I have to link into them like, oh, what's the sound I've used or what's the sample I've used or what's the main thing? And so essentially this is just a score. Right. And it, it just, when it when it's black or when it's on, it's like it's doing something and when it's not, it's not. So it's just a small guide to just keep me going. Right, and you've got fuck drum here. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it says? It does say fuck drum. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um so fuck, fuck drum, the VCO ADSR story. <laughs> um so um yeah, I have this this small this score that I I keep next to me. And I don't I only refer to it if I need to. It's interesting. Um, it really works. Like I've said on that video, it's like the coherency of like in it I think the ER what three oh ones are essential in the sense that they're adding so much like just that you know, that's such yeah. an evocative sound. And to have like a module doing that would would require that it be pushed in a very specific place, and it, yeah. it, it wouldn't work sound half as good if it wasn't in that exact place. And then you've got to move it out of that. And do you know what I mean? It's, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, it's you know um, I think it's not unreasonable to say that this three hundred one it is almost sort of going back to the sort of the Ableton thing. Mm. I mean, I've I known pre some other interviews with say um, Nick at Sonic's Day. I've used this. Uh, analogy that it's uh, an expensive highly configured uh, electrode which is mm. what I started with <laughs> yes it basically is um and but, i think it, it actually that is what it is it's well i mean uh, well i've my whole like foray into modular is is basically really i just want a groove box it's that's the appeal of eurorack to me entirely and i i very rarely do anything clever in terms of patching I'm more trying to think about routing. It's not about like, you know, clever dick sort of, you know, oh, I'm doing this and I'm actually designing my own FM hats and stuff like that. Just that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, for me, the interesting thing about Eurac is how it brings everything together and makes it into an instrument. It's like yeah. that, it, that it gives you this platform where you can just make music. 
there was a, a discussion um, a couple of months ago uh, with with uh, Div Kid and Scammer and Devox, and you know we, the, this idea of randomness did come up, and I think it needs to, you know the randomness needs to have some musical context or else it's just unlistenable. That's so. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that because that's. I mean, I've been thinking about. I, for example, I use branches, and I've been using that to like basically to center like the closed and open hats on like I the eight hundred eight, and it sounds good, and it's like, and it gives you this slight intensity and fervor because you're getting like open and closed mm-hmm. shifting depending on how you play it, but it it will be better with a real drummer who was really responding. Would, yeah, respond to the other musical things that are going Absolutely. on at the same time, and, and to like. And for the open and closed hi-hats to have a true relationship that isn't based on on a random coin toss. Yeah. And, it, and it's that sort of thing. Which is why I like these sequences, because you get to decide what step is you should bring in this variation. So it's so it's it's very specific. You say, okay, I do occasionally want to have a hi-hat on there. I don't want to know when it's going to happen exactly, but I only want it to happen on this particular step. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It's a very sort of... Um, the surgical way of, of bringing random into into these things. But I think it's I think we're on the right path because it and it's the right way to do it because it doesn't just work to just like which I think the analogy yeah it's like just throwing shit on the wall and hoping something sticks. Yeah. It's like doing that with 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 you know the occurrence of sounds is it's not like it's not musically gratifying and especially when you know, it's a style of music that's so based in rhythm and groove. Yeah, yeah. If you have lots, if you have multiple voices and they've all got these random things going on, for as a whole piece of music, how you know how does that come across? Mm. How does the listener know which bit's the most important part? What what's the focus? Is it is is it the melody? Is it is it the variation in in the percussion? But if you've got too many things going off simultaneously, the user the user the audience, big pump. Then get lost. They've got no anchor. They don't know why. You know, all right. What well, what are they giving me now? I, I, am I meant to be reacting to the hats? They're they're all over the place. For instance, you know, in your analogy, you know, your mm. example. So so I think it has to be careful. You have well, to be I think used. I think the trick is that you would then it, it is very much down to you to orchestrate it. Yeah, and to conduct. It's that thing of conducting. It's like part of the conductor's job is to tell other sections of the orchestra when to. Yeah, sure. No, no. <laughs> no, you're right. And exactly. It's because, and it's also that's a function of mixing too. Surely. It's yeah, like, I, it I is... think actually the mixing aspect is 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 key. Mm. Um, but to uh, try and think, you know, I think I've made a system now that I don't really know what I could. What is fundamentally wrong with it? I'm pleased I tried uh, this full, completely full improvisation. Um, and it's just not for me. I, that's fine. I mean, mm. some people can do that. I think there's also an aspect, you know, um, let's say, obviously, Surgeon, he does that. I think you've got, you've got to be realistic that, you know, I'm not a DJ. And I haven't I haven't played in, in uh, clubs doing techno for the last 20, 25 years. Mm. When you have that experience... The then, musical knowledge, yeah. like the, the raw, like... What's the, the intuition? Like, you might intuition, say intuition, yeah, like the, the absolute understanding of an audience. Yeah, and I think that that is um, invaluable. Mm. Yeah, so that is a really interesting point to make. How like 
you know, the people's experience. It's interesting, like, how I've, uh, for the last few months, I've really not been making any music. I, I probably haven't made any music on my computer for, like, seven or eight months. So I have a very, very busy period. And in which I've, a lot of what I've been doing is just obviously making modular videos, but 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 playing around with the system and, like, trying to, like, develop it. And it's been very interesting then returning to Ableton. I found that oh, very okay. interesting. Just returning to Ableton after living and breathing, making mm. modular music for some time was actually, I found I was like, I had a very refreshed perspective and a much, and a much more, what's the word? I was just like way more focused. And I, I was also like almost laughing at the luxury of being able to like put notes wherever I wanted them. I just put them <laughs> in with a mouse and it's just, I've got loads of notes. That's easy. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but I was writing music that felt a lot more structured. I was like, I think it is owed in part to just taking time away from a screen and just actually really focusing on making structures yeah. in front of people, well, just in front of people, but just on this system so that I was relying entirely on my ears. Yeah. I think uh, coming, you know, you mentioned about not just having, say, your instrument or I have my instrument. I think the key thing is it's an instrument so um it is not a it's not a uh, system that's in flux so it means that the knobs are always pretty much in the same place funnily enough i i actually moved my kick from the skiff into the main case 2 days ago and it's it's been foxing me because yeah. i keep going for the kick i'm like where is it so i, I so i have now got muscle memory mm. and practicing even if it's improvising and practicing it's still it really necessary because you build tricks, you build techniques and, and little things that you can go to. You go, I know this will work if I do this. So I know if I open this, I'm going to get this sound. I know that works well if I do this. These are all these uh, performance um, techniques that come from practice just over and over again. And I'm playing around. Oh, how does that work? If I take the kick out, if I do this, oh, that's that's. That creates uh, anticipation. All these different things, which of course you would do in um, in Ableton if you were building a techno track, for instance. So I, I think practicing with this system is is as important as building the system. So you know you you and then what you find is you know, you're probably finding as well because you've just done a massive change. Is you'll start going okay, that's working. That's working very nicely. That's not that goes out because and but then there's an intention of why you want to do it. Um, and that's what what this this case has now come to. It's um, it's deliberate, mm. and and it's come through practice. Oh, that doesn't work. Why? Okay, um, and it's like all these switches and all these little modules I've built. Now I've got them. They're really useful because I don't want to always have an LFO engaged. I just want to be able to have the option to. Mm. So yeah. So. Yeah, the, you didn't make these choices based on what module you thought looked cool. On, no, on, on a certain <laughs> day, you've like literally just it's because I want to do. That. It's something I keep. I want to stress, like for anyone, because if anyone listening is thinking about building a modular, build a modular because you have a purpose, not because you want to build a modular. Yeah, you have a musical goal. Yeah, I and, couldn't agree more. And it's like these systems are such a brilliant reflection of that. It's like they exist because you've had in, they are a pure um, illustration of intention. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> and continue to be. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, you go down some blind alleys. This is the centre of my live and studio, but there are several cases around this room full of modular, 
which then I'll plant here. And then I start, I'm now getting more into this because of the sound computer. Uh, I can be really uh, like playful, come up with things I would never have come up with before uh, because that's set. I leave it alone and I just sample into it. So you just record it. And now I've got just a whole bunch of other sound sources. So it's been it's been quite nice actually. Mm. I've been able to sort of go back to those early days where I was just making sounds that were interesting. And uh, now I can I can do that again, but I can u- directly use them. So okay. Mm. And well, I mean it's not always to say I know how I'm going to use them, but they're there and then I can repurpose them. I got a Bob Brown synth voice uh, this year. And I was, it, well, it was more gearless, to be honest. Mm. I am guilty. But I was like, oh, will I use it? What am I going to use it for? And then I've used it four or five times, created some absolutely weird, wonky stuff. And it's actually been in that, that it, I've used uh, about four or five different parts in that live set. It's from go. the bug brand. Yeah, just like, that's and, really interesting. It's like helps you recontextualize your gear last, basically. Yeah, but... Um, to, to make material. So it's, it's good. I think, you know, so um, I'm definitely in favor of buying um, things that you think are interesting because they make an interesting sound. But then you have to then go, why am I... But then what am I going to do with mm. that? So, so I think to wrap up, I should, uh, it's really just open, an open question, but what, for anyone who's interested in, in maybe is thinking about getting into Eurac or is, is interested in the idea of, well, getting into Eurac to play live or, or interested in dabbling, but is maybe afraid, what advice do you give someone who's, who's considering it, how to approach that problem? Hmm. That's... That's a tough question. Well, if 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 they if they, they wanted to play live, and it's, it's it, you know a lot, including myself, for a long time, the idea of standing up in front of people is dreadful. Mm. I mean, it's it's all eyes on you. Yeah, and I so if if there's a burning desire to go and play live, you've already got something in you, in my humble opinion, that that you need to satisfy. So if that's if all those things are true then you need to know what is it you want to express? How do you want to express yourself? What is it you want to express? And then if you decide, you know what that is, if it's to make dance music or it's to make ambient drones or make interesting, whatever, then you have to know that's what you want to achieve. I think then it limits massively what sort of modules you need to buy. Mm. If you don't know why, if you, if you don't know why you're, you're doing it, it's, I can't really give you much advice. Yeah, but it's, know, it's, it's actually a valid point because it sounds obvious. I just do think people get into this almost for its own sake. But um, I mean, I did in a sense, but not through just because I, it was a curiosity. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of it, it developed. It's and now, developed a purpose. Yeah. In the doing. Yeah. So I, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I should be giving advice to anyone. <laughs> But I would say uh, try and enjoy yourself when you do it. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes hate hate it. Absolutely hate it sometimes. We're trying to come up with new ideas or you know trying to trying to perfect things, and sometimes it's hard work. Mm. Um, so it's important to enjoy it, but it's also important to know that those things will occur. Do you think things will go wrong? Yeah, things will go wrong. Things are difficult and things are painful. I think that's as long as. As long as you know that's going to happen, then you can um, you can uh, plan for it. Especially with, with with modular, so everyone's like on their own little journey to kind of yeah. build design 
a tool. It's, yeah. And it's it's really funny in a way that we're we're doing that when there's you know there are when there's like a digi, a digitac behind you. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> have a go on that <laughs> which that, i haven't even had a go on i've, I've, oh I've played full with it for about an hour well that actually, but i've been busy do you know what the digitat is interesting you mentioned because that is a device that is a, a brilliant example of something that i tried recently and was like don't know why i'm bothering with this year i think <laughs> and it's and it, it lets you make music in real time yeah. and improvise there are companies already making these devices that kind of let you explore it. Yeah, a five hundred quid, not one five thousand quid. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't. It, I think that's a very good point because how I, I suppose what I like about this is that I I came up with it and it's what I want in particular. Yeah. And so there has been apart from the design choices of the module manufacturers, uh, it's really all my design choices. Um, I mean, I have been through lots of different sequences and things like that. And, you know, they get discarded, essentially, because the syncing's not to scratch, mm. you know, things like that. So I think all those, the, the journey of, of, of getting a system like this is that there's a musical purpose, but then there's also the, it is a technical activity. Uh, so, you know, in this sense, I've used it to build uh, a groove box and, you know, and but yeah, there are manufacturers who are making this, explicitly mm. uh, uh, it's, a tenth it's, of the price it's that idea that you've got to like keep it keep yourself on a track yeah and otherwise you will just build and buy and do things for no arbitrary you know for yeah. arbitrary reasons so yeah I, I mean anyway advice um have an idea what you want to do and then d- 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 yeah. and research and read as much as you can but then um, stop stop reading and start playing yeah slowly. at some point you're going to have to make a decision so just try your best. Um, okay. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Phil. No problem. Thanks, Alex. So there you have it. That would be me and Phil in Brighton talking about building systems and live and joy and um yeah he's a really sound guy and i think it's it's just really interesting to hear the process uh, everyone's got their own sort of funny story through the whole eurac thing and it's it feels just a good example of someone who's very um laser guided in terms of you know isn't isn't in the sense that he admits to having bought loads of extraneous modules and when i got to his place he had multiple live cases that he'd you know old empty live cases that that were no longer the right thing and some of them were filled with modules he's bought loads of things to try them out and is in the process of selling stuff off too just like we all are i think it was just interesting it's just fascinating to hear the process to hear how one way of doing it that might be what you do if you're doing a similar thing but you know um like myself i'm kind of going in a slightly different direction slightly pig-headedly and it may not be successful um but what i thought was really interesting one of his points was talking about the whole thing of surgeons surgeons dj ability that that surgeon is a having dj'd for clubs for decades that that is a, a, just an insurmountably valuable asset which is a painfully obvious thing to say that obviously having 30 years of of experience djing in clubs gives you some understanding of what constitutes good dance music but 
I think it's very easy to just not think, not think about those things and be in denial. But um, that's the reality. That man has that experience and, and it's going to inform what he does. And for, for many of us, we're, you know, relatively speaking, kind of newbies in terms of our approach to certain styles of music. Uh, you know, me personally, I'm not, you know, I've just not been a DJ for 25 years. I've just been producing music at home for 16. But that's not the same thing as producing club dance music. So it's interesting. We all have a lot to learn. And that's why we're doing this. So I demand that you check out Phil's stuff. Go to his SoundCloud, which is uh, soundcloud.com forward slash ebcidic, E-B-C-I-D-I-C, ebcidic, formerly known as VCO ADSR and listen to his music, listen to that set, buy his stuff on Bandcamp, subscribe to him on Twitter. He's a sound chap. I'm sure he'll answer some of your questions if you have them about his system. Um, so support the dude. He's a dude. I thank him for your time. Thank you, Phil. And I thank you for your time. Thank you. And I'll see you next time.